for another Section 113 podcast. Thanks for being here with us. Travis Demers here with you as we come to you a post-trade deadline. That happened earlier today. It's today's the 9th of February. The Blazers coming off a win last night against the Golden State Warriors. We have a lot to get to today. And to break down a lot of this, I'm going to bring on Danny Morang here in just a couple of minutes as uh, he's about as dialed as anybody in Portland to get his thoughts on what has happened, what didn't happen, and what's going to happen next. But a very strange scene at Moda Center on Wednesday night is Josh Hart uh, saying goodbye to his teammates just before the game. And you know, when you play with somebody for a year, when you're with them, and as Dame said, you know, you're around those people more than your family. I can definitely attest to that. Um, you, know, you, you become like family with those guys. So anytime that somebody moves on, uh, it's it's something emotional that you have to deal with. They dealt with that before the game. Josh Hart moved on. And, you know, then you see what's next. There was big news, of course, around the league everywhere. Russell Westbrook traded, uh, probably going to be bought out by Utah. But the biggest news was Kevin Durant moving from the Brooklyn Nets to the Phoenix Suns. Um, he's not healthy right now, but that certainly makes Phoenix, once again, a viable NBA title contender. But here in Portland, there were a lot of thoughts on what the Blazers could do and what the Blazers should do, what players they should be targeting. And at the end of the day, a couple of small moves. Josh Hart gets moved to the New York Knicks. Uh, a first-round pick comes back. That's a conditional first-round pick. If the Knicks make the playoffs, it'll be a first-round pick for the Blazers. If the Knicks don't make the playoffs, it'll be four future second-round picks. Cam Reddish, Ryan Archidiakono, and then Svi Mikhailuk who was shipped off in another deal that brought in Matisse Thibel from Philadelphia. The other move that was made, again, these are all reported moves because as of you know 4 o'clock on Thursday, they have not been made official by the league yet. Gary Payton II sent back to Golden State where he won a championship last year. Kevin Knox through Detroit comes to Portland and five second-round picks. And the other reported move, Greg Brown III being waived. So that's where the Blazers stand in all this. And really, if, if you break it down piece by piece, what it ends up being is Matisse Thibel uh, replacing GP2. Thibel is a tremendous defensive player. Um, he's a little bit bigger than GP2, a little bit younger, a little bit cheaper. So a, a lot of things make sense there, for sure. Uh, Josh Hart probably wasn't going to re-sign, probably was going to opt out. You would have lost him. So to bring in a first-round pick, first of all, is, is a big deal. Um, and a first-round pick, it's probably going to be a late teens. and then. Cam Reddish is a bit of a reclamation project. He's he's a big dude, a big wing. He can shoot, he can score, but he's just never really had any real opportunities. He was a bit of a starter his rookie year in Atlanta, and uh, you know now hopefully he'll get a chance here in Portland and fits in with with Chauncey Billups' system. Uh, Kevin Knox, another young player who's bounced around a little bit in New York and Atlanta for him. Uh, he was actually traded for Cam Reddish last year from New York to Atlanta. So interesting that those guys are are now going to be teammates, went to Detroit, um, and someone who was also a top 10 pick, just don't know quite what to make out of him for a guy who's 6'7", uh, was playing about 15 minutes a night and you know shooting 37 38% from three. And then Ryan Archie Diacono, uh, end of the rotation, end of the bench type of guy who's a ball handler, a uh, former teammate of Josh Hart at Villanova where he won a national championship. So lots of pieces in and out, uh, nothing major. Right. And I don't think anybody was really expecting anything major. If you remember last year at the trade deadline, there was a lot of talk about the Blazers trading for Jeremy Grant. And there were reports that a first round pick and Josh Hart is what it would have taken. Joe Cronin waited on that. Turned out it was just 
a first round pick, the one they got from New Orleans in the CJ McCollum deal. It was a future Milwaukee Bucks pick. Uh, and with the trade exception, it, it worked out. So one of the most important things in all of this is to not make desperation moves, to not make a deal because you feel like you have to make a deal. And it's easy to do when you look around and you see what all the teams in the Western Conference are doing. The Mavericks with Kyrie Irving, the Suns with Kevin Durant, the Clippers made a couple of moves, the Lakers made a ton of moves, a number of teams added players. So it's it's real easy to get that trigger finger and say, hey, we, we've got to do something here. But I applaud the restraint that Joe Cronin showed because it's not always the smart move. It's not always the smart move to make a trade just because you need to make a trade or you feel like you do. So still a lot of opportunity in the summer now to get things done. All right, it's time to bring on Danny Morang from 1080 The Fan and the Jack Ramsey's podcast. Danny, the trade deadline is come and gone. You've been on top of this stuff, you know, for weeks leading up to everything. So when, when you look at it, just your your overall take on what the Blazers accomplished. Yeah, I think that's really the only way you can look at it, because if you look at it on a individual move, personnel in situation, it, I think it's pretty easy to get frustrated. Um, my initial reaction, it was, I think they might have gotten worse. But it, it's not necessarily worse. That it's more. They're more inconsistent. They moved away two veterans of Josh Hart and Gary Payton II. Josh Hart, consistent effort. Uh, you know what you're going to get out of him, even when he's struggling to shoot threes. Gary Payton II is a, a lockdown defender, but um, his availability was a bit of a problem. You get Matisse Thybulle and basically a like-for-like substitution for for Gary. You don't get a player necessarily of Josh Hart's level in return, but maybe you optimize your starting lineup with some more size now, whether that's Cam Reddish, whether it's Justice Winslow, whether it's Nasir Little remains to be seen. Um, But they didn't address the front court, and I think that's that's my real hang-up more than anything is that I thought there was an opportunity for that there. Uh, looking at how things went in the front court and during the trade deadline, uh, it wasn't the case. But now everything turns towards the summer. The Blazers, they did get capital. They got a a no BS first-round pick from the New York Knicks. They're very likely to make the playoffs and had that convey as anywhere between 15 and 18 likely. Um, And that is real ammunition because that can be used or the five second-round picks that they got for Gary Payton II uh, as Capitals and maybe convince the Chicago Bulls to return their first-round pick, which would open up avenues for the Blazers to present the biggest possible offer this summer to shake a star free. So first, let's let's focus on the here and now, okay? Um, you basically replaced GP2 with Matisse Thibel. He's a little bigger. Yep. He's been you know, an, an all-defense player. Not a great offensive player. But let's be real. Like you said, the availability for GP2 really wasn't there, and he was only playing 15, 16 minutes a night. So while you don't want to lose a guy like that, what you replace him with is somebody that's more reliable that can do some very similar things. Is that fair to say? Yes. If you take a look at where Matisse Thibault has ranked, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, the lovely site run by uh, one Ben Falk, the former uh, analyst or uh, analytics 
uh, mastermind with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Matisse Thibault is ranked in the 100th percentile in both steal percentage and block percentage for wings every single year but his rookie year where he ranked in the 97th percentile Terrible. for blocks. <laughs> so, yeah, he likes the like. It makes sense. Uh, and he's somebody who you, you can slot in there alongside Dame, alongside Ant to take on those point-of-attack assignments. Right. So, Cam Reddish. He hasn't played since December. 6'8". Uh, there's a ton of ability there, right? There's no question about that. He he fell out of favor quickly in Atlanta, fell out of favor in New York. Um, he's a restricted free agent after this year, but there's no question there's talent there. What is the hope with him? Yeah, one thing you can uh, count on is anybody who was drafted prior to this year, you can uh, get a sense for how Mike Schmidt, the assistant general manager of the Trailblazers, feels about him. Uh, when he worked at ESPN. So uh, I went back and watched some of, of Mike's evaluations of Cam uh, to get an understanding of, of what he thought of him. Uh, he's a six foot eight, true, uh, physical, you know, wing type player. He, it's, there's no qualms about it. There's no, he's six four, six five, but he plays like he's six seven. He's, he's, a, he's a large kid. He's very athletic. He knows how to use his functional strength. He showed real defensive tools his second year in Atlanta, and then he fell out of the rotation. And the the talk has been for the folks that I have talked to around the league is that, you know, Atlanta's not a great place for young guys. Nate McMillan is can be a tough coach to play for if you're a young guy. Uh, New York is not a great place for development, obviously, right now. It hasn't been for years. Uh, and Tom Thibodeau, Tibbs, is a notoriously tough coach to play for. Uh, if you're a young guy. So the upside of if you're looking at him is, hey, maybe he genuinely was in the wrong places. But really, they got a first-round pick for Josh Hart, and they got a 6'8 flyer and Cam Reddish, a former, you know, top-10 pick. Right. So now at this point, there are 15 guys in the roster, right? Greg Brown the third is waived. So that gets you down to 15. So... There's a lot of talk about a, a buyout option here. Do you expect the Blazers to go down? We'll talk about the money in a minute, but do you expect the Blazers to go down the buyout route and waive somebody else that they've acquired or somebody that's on the roster? If they were going to do it, I would imagine it would be uh, Archie Diacono, who was just uh, acquired in the deal. Uh, while it would be nice to have another ball handler, I don't think that's necessarily something that they have to have. Uh, yeah. I think it was just. I think they would lean towards maybe getting some signs. And I will say this, this might be one of the most robust buyout markets we've seen in a decade. Mm -hmm. There is going to be a lot of names out there. I would imagine that the trailblazers will scan and take a look and see it, who's out there uh, and then make that determination because my, my rough books have the blazers uh, about $9 million below the tax line so that they could effectively buy out an Archie Diacono who's under $2 million and then pay for a buyout bid. That is something that could be in the cards. Okay, so so with that, we'll get to some names here in a minute. But so so with that, because they traded GP two, who was their mid level exception player, do they have any extra money left over, or is or do they only have the minimum contract that everybody else has to offer somebody from the buyout market? Uh, they do have some some room because they're not up against it right now, mm -hmm. but they far as the, the tax line, uh, but they, uh, 
they are over the uh, salary cap, so they will only have, I believe, the minimum, but I need to take a look and see exactly where GP's contract went and whether or not they have access to the remaining MLE money because the hard cap was triggered. It's, we're, we're, it's definitely diving into the minutia yeah. of the CBS. That's important. This, yes, and this one I am not 100% certain on right now because okay. I haven't seen what the records look like across the books after all the transactions. Okay. So let's say that there is a buyout opportunity here. They do decide that. There are a couple of names that either are already reported or are anticipated, whether it's Serge Ibaka, Dwayne Dedman, Nerlens Noel, somebody like that. What makes sense to you? Uh, you know, Nerlens is the guy I think that makes the most sense because he's still got the most juice in the tank and he's got something to prove and he's rotting on mm -hmm. a bench in Detroit. They obviously uh, they were a part of that three-way deal that landed James Wiseman, uh, the number two overall pick just a couple years ago from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and they're talking about starting him in Detroit, according to Mark, uh, Mark Spears. Um, so that sounds like, to me, there is a strong opportunity for, for Nerlens Noel. Serge Ibaka, the thing about him that's enticing, even though I, I, I don't think he's nearly as quite as viable as a player, Serge is a, uh, a bit of a stage vet, and I think that is something that Portland is, is desperately missing in their locker yeah. room, and that might be something worth exploring. Okay. So now we look at the big picture beyond this year. Okay, we, we know what the situation is right now for the remaining, what, 27 games of the season. In the summer, you have a first-round pick that you've gotten from the Knicks, in theory, if the Knicks make the playoffs. Um, if the Blazers don't make the playoffs, they have the rights to whoever they draft. If they do make the playoffs, they have now unlocked you know future first-round picks. They have a couple of players um, that they have to make some decisions on. This is where, where fans... I think are going to be hopefully getting the payoff that they've been waiting for, right? They, they didn't get the, the immediate payoff, which I think makes sense, right? You don't want to rush to make a desperate move, but that's when fans want to see the payoff. Joe Cronin has talked about it being a year to two years process. We're a year in. So what do you think the summer very early on, as we're talking about this in February, what do you think the summer looks like? Much like last year when there was a lot of noise around Jeremy Grant, uh, and the Blazers looking to make that move, it didn't happen at the deadline. And I think a lot of that had to do with, well, does Jeremy Grant want to move in the middle of the season? Mm -hmm. Do the Pistons know exactly which pick from the Pelicans is going to convey? And I think that there is an opportunity there for the Blazers in much the same scenario, what that Knicks pick does. Does it convey? Does the Blazers pick not convey? Uh, and they, right. let's say that they finish as, as in, the, in the high lottery or as, as, as low as 10, you know, are they going to win the Victor women Yama sweepstakes? Probably not. No. But what if they move into the top four? Do you want, do you want that opportunity to go by the wayside by rolling any of those protections back right now? The obvious answer is no. Right now they're in the strongest position possible heading into the summer that they could be with their draft capital. Mm -hmm. That was not the case last season. That was not the case for the last couple of years because of what has been given up. Right. And the opportunity to convince the Chicago Bulls to take the, either the second-round picks or to take the uh, first-round pick from the Knicks as a sort of compensation to get their own back allows, them to, the op, allows the Blazers the opportunity to do what the Phoenix Suns just did, which is put it all on the table. Four unprotected right. first-round picks and a swap plus 
whether it's Anthony Simons, whether it's Shaden Sharp, um, whatever it may be, to go all in. And they don't they at this deadline with where they were and where the books were, where the picks were, where their assets were, they there's no level that they could have gone to to match that level of compensation. And that's what right. you're hoping happens right. this summer. Yeah. It's a good point. So here we are, uh, you know, a couple games left for, before the All-Star break. And the team doesn't look much different than it did 48 hours ago, 96 hours ago, 96 days ago, right? It's, it's very similar to the, to the team we've seen for the last few months, you know, with health mm-hmm. and all that, of course. Um, is this team, do you think, still a contender for certainly the play, and especially now with Utah getting a little bit worse, um, and mm-hmm. potentially beyond that? Yeah, with things being so tight, and really over the last two weeks, you've seen what the Blazers can do kind of with a proof of concept yeah. with their small ball. Um, now, if there have been any more games of 21 turnovers, I don't think they're going to win those uh, like they did against the Warriors. But their ability to attack the paint, spread the floor, get out in transition, be very aggressive in their switching defenses, as long as they're not playing a team – uh, as big or as physical as the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks, teams that are incredibly big and physical, they can downsize a little bit and, and, and be disruptive, as you saw against the Warriors last night. So I think they do have an opportunity. But the flip side of it all is, of course, is that if it doesn't work for them, then they have a lottery pick. And so I, I think you can, one way or the other, their level of play is going to dictate what asset they do or do not have on top of what they could have already created this summer. He is Danny Morang. You can hear him weekdays, noon to three on 1080 The Fan. You can also hear his podcast, Jacked Ramsey's. Danny's always, man, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for all the nerdy details. You know, I love that stuff. And I'll see you at Moda Center tomorrow night, man. Absolutely, brother. Take care. All right, big thanks to Danny Morang for breaking all that down there. And uh, the Blazers right back at it in action. Friday night, taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. 7 o'clock on our flagship station, 620 AM, Rip City Radio in the Portland area, and across the Trailblazers Radio Network. Mike Lynch will have the pregame show for you at 6 o'clock. Michael Holton and I will have tip-off at 7. Our next edition of the Section 113 podcast, we're going to drop that sometime on Saturday. And I'll be joined by Trailblazers General Manager Joe Cronin and getting his thoughts on all the moves that were made, were not made, and what the future is going to look like. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 Podcast.